I'm pretty excited. What about you, kid? I'm uh, I'm shaking. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to contain myself. Um, we're thrilled to have uh, one of my favorite American filmmakers, Stephen Conrad. Hi, guys. I'm. I'm. What am I? Number four. Your number, yeah. well, your number two interview. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't days. mean you're not number one in our hearts, though. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm so happy to be with you guys. Well, we've, we've known each other for a long time. For when, a when did long you guys time. meet, man? Because I don't know. My dad you know, was like, met, yeah, you know, we met. Uh, my timeline <laughs> for you is like 2004. Yeah. Jones brought you into my studio and he said. Steve Jones. Steve Jones. Uh who he said that you were interested in my work, and we started talking and uh, and developed a rather raucous camaraderie, and um, you know, uh, you became one of my premier collectors, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it would have uh, to be beef around then. I couldn't have afforded anything before then. Yeah, well, it was it was right after that pursuit of happiness, money, my friend. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always cheer for every single project you're involved in, and the, it's pretty amazing. I mean, Max and I watched the film, the first film you ever wrote last yeah. night. Yeah, you know, I, I got that text from you last night, and I had a, a, a I wrote it. I was so young, and it feels. Uh, How old were you when you wrote that? Oh, I started it around nineteen. Okay, that's what he said. It yeah, around twenty or twenty-one. But but boy, young writing just it feels like you're writing a diary no matter yeah. what your goal is with it it all feels super earnest and confessional and i haven't uh-huh. had the guts to, to to examine it uh now that i'm fully grown and you know the the what i loved about it and yeah for the record well, we love you, that movie dude don't you have to um have a, amazon it. Oh, he, yeah. can, he can find anything we'll find everything you ever made <laughs> If you got a sex tape out there, believe me, he's gonna find <laughs> right. it. Well, the one, nah, the one movie you might want to watch less than Wrestling Ernest Hemingway is my sex tape. Really? You think? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That would have less of an audience. <laughs> I don't know. Than, than, you know. <laughs> I'm looking for it now, man. Right. I just Googled it. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I loved about uh, Wrestling Ernest Hemingway, and and this has been the template for all of your films, is the complete lack of cynicism in it. You know, I really love those two characters. I loved Walt. Robert Duvall is an adorable man in that movie. Oh, well, I, you know, that that's a, that period of my life was really my education on that set for how to get through it, how to how to talk to uh-huh. actors, what they can do for you, um, where they can, where their instincts can take writing, what you owe them on the day. I, I did learn an awful lot, uh, and, and maybe. It, Maybe it holds up. I just, uh-huh. I, you know, I how you sort of want to just get away me. from that time in your life, no matter. I what. can't. And, I I became well known for making drawings on slate. I can't look at them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We pulled you know, up but, a, but it's crazy because I think it's among your best stuff. A lot of people say that. Everyone to me, says but that. It, but we, it's again, it's young and. Well, you know what John McNaughton told me. He told me that you here's here's the uh, the phases. You you make it, you love it, then you. When your head's clear, you look at it and you go, oh, something was missing. And then 20 years later, you look at it and you see where you scored. You see where the yeah. ambition was. And then, and then it comes back around to you. I hope that yeah. that's true. Well, we pulled out a poem. Me and Gabby found one in a drawer from like 85. And we read it and we're like, this is pretty good. And we showed it to him. And he looks at it and he goes, yeah. 
this is when I was worthless. And he just throws it back like a, like a like, – I've always wanted to ask you, you like, what, what came first or were they simultaneous, the, the, the poetry and uh, the drawings and the collages? My, my mother, when I was a little kid, worked third shift at a Pepperidge farm. And they would blot the breads on these long pieces of paper, like construction paper kind of, or brown, you know, packing paper. And she would bring roll those up and bring them home for me. And I was very often kicked out of school, so I'd be at home all day, and, and my, my mom had to sleep. So she'd bring all my colored pencils and my uh, crayons and stuff out, and she'd say, you know, Tony, make me a picture. And then, you know, the piece of paper was three, four feet long, and I'd, I'd, I'd draw it, and uh, and then uh, I'd wake her up and show it to her, and she'd go, "Okay, well, you got to write me the story." What now. that you know? that's crazy. Was it? Do you think it's because they went <clears throat> left to right like a mural that they suggested that you know that because you, you it was were like reading? comics? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you, I, I think you scratch any figurative artist and you find a failed cartoonist. <laughs> or a successful cartoonist. I sure. mean, yeah. But um yeah, I my mother had a very low opinion of television. You know, she thought it made you intellectually lazy and uh, I could read by the time I was 4. And now you're working in TV. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, now she, and she watched a lot of TV in the end of it all too, man. She watched the Bulls like every night. She was crazy for the Bulls, yeah. you know. My mother She was the, around for the glory years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, my father had three sons, and my sister was the one who got an athletic scholarship to DePaul for basketball and averaged twenty points a game. You know, he's looking at us like you know. Did she come to your boxing matches? No. Yeah, I could no. see that. I wouldn't want to see my kids. She that. did not like boxing. I don't know if I'd want to see you box, man. At yeah. this at this age, I'd love. Oh, to. I, I'd love to see that. No, but um, Tony you, in his prime. You're, you know, you're Scary. more you're more likely you. to see it now. You know, with, uh, <laughs> I mean, every day on Facebook, I'm fighting the stupids. You yeah, know? I'm fighting the Trump people. Seriously, you know? and it's like Steve. I don't want to. I don't want to go in on wrestling Ernest Hemingway any more than you do, man. But what was? I mean, is it a surreal feeling to kind of watch these characters come to life? Oh well, that one. It, it, it really was wonderful. In, in so many, in so many ways, I, I can't I can't attest to the quality of the writing only because I feel like an entirely different person than the the one who wrote that. But uh, I I did work with a, a, a tremendously talented director on that film and learned an awful lot about she's great directing. Oh, she's yeah. The, uh, yeah so sound and wise and she's got really nice touch and she's Randa cool Haynes, right? Randa Haynes, Randa Haynes, yeah. And then the cast. Um, they, yeah, Richard, Richard Harris. Harris. Richard well, Harris. Yeah, yeah there was Richard. There was Shirley MacLaine, who I, I went on to work with again. And but they they all had such different processes and techniques. Yeah. And uh, I was able in, in a very short period to be exposed to an awful lot of um, uh, a, a panoramic view of what actors need to be able to convey the way that I write. Was it ever overwhelming at all at any point, or was it just well, cool? Well, because I, I just wrote it. You yeah. know, I, if I had. Try to direct it, then I bet oh, I would yeah. have lost the lost the wheel. But no, no had you even been to Northwestern yet? Had you even been to college yet? Yes, I I wrote that my last two years of school. So I was there when I was writing it, and then and then when I had finished school, that at the end of that summer, we started to make it. Which what's amazing to me, and what I love about it is it's about also the interior life of older people. 
And this is what I love about your films. You know, the promotion was about working people. Wrestling Ernest Hemingway was about, you know, old people who nobody pays attention to um, except for comic relief in films. And this was a very careful look at people who were had a lot more behind them than in yeah. front of them. Well, in so- Richard Harris's character. Yeah, I, yeah, I found that that actor made the single greatest contribution to what I learned about what they can do for you, what they need, and how yeah. you, how you create a partnership with somebody. He was, uh, I mean, it's obviously, just, tremendously just lack of vanity but, walking around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that the bravery is something you yeah you have to ask your actors for yeah. but yeah. that that scratching the surface and then finding something under that that can propel you to into craft narrative making this art form work like uh, suspense does is mm-hmm. is a place i wanted to take what i do and and patriot was the the first occasion i really had to try to make those two things cooperate where you have a a genre you're making suspense if, if you're good at it but you also can uh turn left if that's working mm-hmm. you can you can take these diversions and uh get deeper than what you what the surface suggests with your characters yeah. well like the character that you play jack birdbath yeah and he thank could be, you by the way yeah that, well uh, you are jack thank birdbath. you <laughs> yeah you know i mean for, for the first time in my career as an actor i can lift my head up high and i can look people in the eye and say yeah. i'm an actor oh, i i happen to love jack he could be mistaken for a side of beef Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, for, yeah. On his best day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, then the there are there's this thing beneath him that if you give him the time of day, you'll find that he has this uh, power. Mm-hmm. He's got experience. He's got something that amounts to uh, mm-hmm. wisdom. Uh, and it, but simultaneous kind of, to that, I also kind of feel like uh, a desire to do good and to better the trajectory of who he has been. Yeah, and he is on that last uh, swirl around the drain before he goes down, so fighting those physics. You got so much good stuff out of my dad, man. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure about the episode, um, but it's when he wants Michael Dorman to kill him, and he just looks in that mirror for a really long time, and he's like, I guess this is it. And it was just... I've never seen my yeah. dad do that, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, that that one was directed I, by Jimmy Jimmy Whitaker, Whitaker who, yeah, by the way, was, who was yeah. a fine, fine director himself. Yeah. And, uh, well, what what I think works with Birdbath, if it does work, is that he's not alone. That we we've partnered him with uh, with John with Mike Dorman's character. Michael Dorman. He's who got the converse the most generous and kind and, in real and, life. Yeah. 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 yeah but his character has these uh, vulnerabilities you wouldn't expect. You. What meets the eye is the supremely confident person who's prepared for whatever task lay ahead of him, yeah. and you soon discover it's not the case, that he's shaking inside. Yeah, Jack seems like a person who doesn't, there is no interior life, and you realize there is power in there. Yeah. So they they need each other. And season two, which we're, I'm finally able to talk about now because we're underway. We can talk about it. Yeah. They, <laughs> they um, share a lot of time together, uh, cool. helping each other through it. And, and, and. Like on the ground, problem solving, uh, taking care of his tasks. Yeah. The, he activates Jack, and uh, I, I love the the weird um, sort of seventies partnership those two come to have. <laughs> yeah, you, you very know, French connection. It turns out, and and very like scarecrow too. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's that odd. I mean, not in what, who they are in the world, not anything, but yeah. Jack Birdbath in Paris. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I, <laughs> I shudder to think it. Oh, Jack's gonna try to fit into Paris. He does. Know? I can share with you that he his task is to is to blend in in the first two episodes. Dad, what was it like being around all that talent and Patriot, Kurtwood Smith, Michael Dorman? Humbling. Like, yeah, it's yeah. gotta be. Um, first of all, uh, my my first day of work was on the pilot in Montreal and. I was unnerved because uh, until the day before, I had had a brace on my leg, and I was mm-hmm. not going to show up to set. You remember when I was having the issue with um, yeah, 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 swelling, yeah. definitely uh, plantar fasciitis and stuff. And they, luckily, I went to this therapy and they they fixed it. Yeah. And um, I'm the first day I met uh, I met uh, Michael and I met uh, Kurtwood. Who I've been watching since RoboCop. Yes. Uh, and I know you enjoyed because he was Red Foreman in that 70s show. Definitely. Which is the show that taught you and Gabby how to go to the basement and get baked. Um, you know. he would have figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah. I, I, I know. <laughs> we didn't need that. But the, the stuff they used to do in that basement, every Friday night they'd have fight night. Where literally they'd close the glass doors on one part of the uh, basement and uh, two of them would just start beating the shit out of each other. And then, you know, Michelle was like, there's a lot of noise. Go down there. See what they're doing. And it's like, I'd go down there, and it was like Lord of the fucking Flies down there, you know? That should be in the parenting handbook is don't have a basement. Everything was going fine for, for me and my family. <laughs> don't have a, like basement. a basement. You know don't have and, a fight club. And my son moved into the basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then all hell broke loose. That basement is scandalous, man. Yeah. Or was. It's, I, it's no longer I shudder to think of what existed in that basement. Does you know? anything oh, good man. ever happen in one? You know, from my childhood on, I can tell you, my room was in the basement. Yeah. Because yeah, nobody son's, else could really live with me. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah, by choice. And I'd never seen of him. Of course, yeah. by choice. No, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't consign no, him to the basement. Come on. What are you kidding? It's like, what is, uh, does he have his own key and his own entrance? No, he doesn't have that. Yeah, okay. He has to walk past yeah. me. Is he, still like, is he still a rock star, man? Is he still jamming? He is still great at it. He just doesn't cool. do it that much. No, I understand school. he's going to Northwestern he for is. school. Next week. Congrats. And he's, I'm excited that and he's, he's a fellow he's dolphin. In the neighborhood. He is. What's he's up, from Whitney, man? yeah. Right on. Whitney Young. And like you, I think he's going to be a, a, a writer and actor and a director. So Well, he'll be very successful, man. He's Yeah. I haven't seen him since he was like in 6th grade, but he's uh, When he was 6th grade, we saw him at Reggie's and uh the School of Rock show. Yeah. Man, he tore it up. Yeah, I mean, the guitar, he, you know. Yeah. He had like can. absolutely no fear of the audience, you know. That's no, he's he's have. a he's a beautiful kid. Um That's great. So, the first season of Patriot, I mean, I can't believe it's over, you know? I mean, the first season's over, and now we're on season two. For those who haven't seen the first season of Patriot, what are you doing? Why are you listening to us? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, really. Every episode gets better. It's the best show of 2016. I really don't know what to say. Please watch that show. You can see it all. For free, if you don't have Amazon, for thirty days. Oh yeah, they give you can it to you for ten episodes days. in thirty days. Yeah, so do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And well, we're uh, I, I uh, am finishing um, the uh, the writing for season two today. I, sh- I should really? finish before I came here. That was my goal. But I'll, I'll go back to the office and it'll be all wrapped up. 
Yeah, and then we leave in, in a week or so to to start to 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 start production. Wow. Um, How excited are you about season two? I mean, do you think it's going to be bigger than one? It's going to be better than one. Right on. They right on. The, really? the studio who have always been um, partners. Uh, even going in after the after the pilot, they have only ever encouraged us to be ambitious and in, in the ways. You know, that what's amazing is uh, uh, you never really see. I've been on a bunch of studio pictures, and there's always a bunch of studio guys, you know, kind of standing right behind the director and stuff. Yeah, I don't think we saw anybody from Amazon, uh, but for a few times the table read and then the last night we were in the swamp or my last night yeah they, but they're 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 good partners they yeah um, they they are involved in the i think they let the, the artists be artists right you know? and they'll they'll participate in the creation of the scripts and if they feel like we have it right there then we're left alone to go and execute it That's and, a... and uh season two it uh has more activity than than one that john essentially has one massive undertaking to accomplish and in the early going has to look around and challenge these men who have uh, ever been only ever been foils for him at McMillan yeah to help him he, there yeah. there is still yeah. a lot of steering clear of the scrutiny of that but he no longer can do what he has to do alone and, and is faced now with the important and critical uh, wish that he gets a support system. He's always got Jack. He does have Jack, for better or for worse. So, um, now, I, I know that Patriot has had a long gestation period uh, from the beginning. Because I remember we were talking in 2008, 2009, that this might be a possibility. Yeah. And, oh, they uh, take forever, and and, yeah. and then when they happen, they're just miracles of fate and timing and good luck, and you never yeah. know which one. The, the ones that seem the most likely aren't the ones that ever materialize, and the, you, you. So you have to work in these compounds. You have to work way too hard, and to have too much to do, to ever have one thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the biggest surprise I ever got in this business is that just just no, there's just fifth gear, and it grind it wears people out. Yeah. I wondered how you got through last season because you directed most of the episodes. You were the showrunner, and you wrote the scripts. You know, it's like uh, if we didn't have fun making that show, I don't think I would have. It helps that we're all pals. Oh, I know, boy, did we have fun! Yeah, that crew seemed really, really. They were amazing, uh, top to bottom, and you can't talk enough about. The amazing generosity, warmth, and kindness of that whole cast. Yeah. Every Everyone that person. was at the loft that night was just. Yeah, I mean, we had the Game of Thrones parties, and Aliette and uh, and Kathleen and uh, a bunch, you know Kurtwood a couple times. Yeah. Um, I felt bad for we had a, a party for an opening or something of mine, and Kurtwood came. Kurtwood and his wife uh, and. Every kid that knew Max and Gabby got their picture with, taken with, with Red. Kerwin. You yeah, know what? I know. He Every, could not have been more gracious or more kind about Every kid's it. pulling me in a corner and going, Shh, hey, is, is that Red Foreman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. 
How just, do you explain your dad is in a TV show with uh, Red Foreman there? You don't. You don't. You, they just believe it, and then you see it. I didn't. You know, when I'm seeing this, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is yeah. surreal. Ten years ago, I'm watching this guy on that 70s show, right, mm-hmm. learning how to get baked. But not only that, it's just, you know, if you would have told me, like, hey, I'm going to be on a show with that guy, I would have been like, mm, maybe. It's like- but Dad's getting big too. You know? You know, yeah, Dad's getting big too. <laughs> you mean the guy who got oozied on U.S. Marshals? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow be... or other, yeah. I would love to say that it was intentional. I think it, largely it was. The creation of our ensemble, the, the, the way by which it came together, having worked in films, so, some of which went better than others, and, and being obligated to figure out why that happened when it went well, mm-hmm. what went wrong when it didn't, uh, you can give yourself a, more of a fighting chance if you limit the amount of people the control is spread over, right? If if you yeah. if if there are two people who ultimately have to find a way to partner up, it's better than five. And often in films, yeah. you're working with a celebrity, and that can be a real asset. Uh, but it it can it can keep you from knowing who has the final word exactly. And and yeah. among our our very best filmmakers, in my opinion. Uh, you have to think the final word goes to them. Tarantino, Paul Anderson, Wes yeah. Anderson. You don't. Yeah. You don't picture uh, groups making decisions at the end of the day. That there's there's an artist responsible for the push and the overall, you know, the power of the thing. When we were getting the show together, I thought we probably have a better chance as a show if we don't have, you know, that nine hundred pound gorilla that's exactly. And and yeah. and I, I was able to just pinpoint my favorite actors and then get them yeah. together and and we didn't have a problem i mean every we didn't have an instance where someone was uh shaking up our schedule because they didn't want to come to work that day or they wanted no, to leave no, early. Nothing like the that. things that could cripple mm-hmm. you lose a day on a film and then you, you might have lost five minutes of your of your show very often max and i've seen this on other pictures um there are some stars that are so well known and so big that they kind of can't be directed. Yeah, know? no, I, I, no, I, um, you can't I've shake heard, them out of shitty habits. Now, I've heard in, guys yeah. say, I want to get to that point, you know, where I just can't be directed. I'm well, like, in their defense, there are a lot of lousy directors, too. Yeah, and it's True there. That. And it, somebody taught me, Sidney Pollack taught me, it was the first person I worked for in Hollywood. And he Who, said, by the way, did great actor. as much great work in front of oh, the yeah. camera as he ever yeah. did. And he made some it. really good movies, too. I was, uh, we were having dinner and I was bagging on actors and he cautioned me and said just remember it's your name on the film and it's their face they have yeah. more in the balance mm-hmm. whether the thing succeeds or fails it's a it's a that's a generous that's a very generous uh, view of but, it but well <laughs> i think we serve the story well the, the point is that they are vulnerable to the to the talent of the director, and if the, t- yeah. if the director isn't for real, then the film is only going to be so good. So I get it that it's a risky walk of life. Uh, if you if you're lucky enough to work with people who have talent, uh, and then they also know how to function as part of it, an organism, uh-huh. and you keep them around, and we're we lucked out in that regard. We got a great ensemble, two uh, person, yeah. yeah. They're all powerhouses it, too. You know, mentioning Sidney Pollack, I really thought that. Uh, his role in Michael Clayton, he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He was just flawless, and he was very, very ill at that yeah. time. Yeah. You know, um, I'm 
I'm the hugest Sidney Pollack as an actor fan that you've ever met. Yeah. I always loved the guy. Because he had that Hackman-esque thing of like, you don't ever catch this guy acting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does not Very ever... natural. Or like Kurt Wood Smith. He never breathes an untrue breath in front of a camera. Yeah. Uh, I think you said it best one, one time. I said, it's just amazing watching Kurt Wood work. And Steve looked at me and he said... Yeah, he's always got 15 varieties of the right thing. That's yeah, awesome. All you have are these degrees of depth that he doesn't. And this is true of anybody in our cast. Uh, they don't do versions. They just go deeper. They mm-hmm. don't do a, a, a take that's there to make you laugh if the material isn't supposed to make you laugh. They just get it, and then they, go, they, go, they try to go all the way down and, your gift is for the specifics. I mean, the one when you would say stuff to me when we were doing takes, um, I got such great help. You know, it's you like you feel like that. I wonder about that because we have to go so fast that I, I know, that no, I'm no, parsing but, out but the, the time. When you said to me the one time when we were filming in uh, Jack Burbess house, it's like you said to me uh, more of a plea, and I understood it yeah. immediately, and it was like. That's a very specific kind of thing to ask for, you know. Steve was it was the um, the promotion was your first uh, directing debut, correct? Or, correct. Okay, so how you know from the promotion to Patriot, where are you experience wise? Are you completely, you know, pro, or are you just you know, are you you still find similarities from promotion than you do in Patriot? Well, so much of that job is is getting is making the most of the day. It's just wringing the day dry and having uh, shot until they take the camera away from you and figuring out how to maximize that. Because at the end of the day, time's the most valuable commodity on a film set. You, and you do learn that the more you do it. Yes. And Patriot, because it essentially is a, is a film, it's not episodic. There aren't mm-hmm. commercials. We shoot it, it, it in one continuous narrative. I did, um, you know, six hours of that last year. So, yeah, yeah of course, I learned an awful lot. I'm anxious this year to to apply it. I, mm-hmm. I, I am anxious to come back with the same team of, of filmmakers and see what we can do. And we have a we have a great location. And, and often you're you're hidebound by the, you know, the degree to which you can use locations to be interesting cinematically. And TV, because we have to shoot so much so fast, you're often... Um, at a real disadvantage to be able to shoot in interesting places and to have to put mm-hmm. the 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 drama where it belongs with the appropriate backdrop and setting and we'll have that chance we we ought to be distinctive next year. Awesome. Awesome. Um I think Kurtwood should get nominated but I think the Dark Horse nomination has got to go to Chris Conrad, man. <laughs> Amen. You, yeah. Are you kidding me, dude? Amen. That guy is awesome. Dennis. He, he put it out there. <laughs> He's my Indeed, hero. Put it out there, You know, man. my favorite part is when he walks into that police station wearing nothing but shoes and socks. And he's just casual. He's as cool as a cucumber. Ice will not melt in his mouth. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. yeah. You know, I got mugged. They took all my shit except for my shoes. <laughs> yeah. I love when they're dropping the safe off the building. Those two are... Him they, and Chernus. Yeah, they have a, they have a thing. So they I get did. to spend more time. Uh, Michael Chernus. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you really can go on and on with with our cast. To, yeah. say, to say nothing of the, the the actor who may have been the least known last year, Michael Dorman. Michael to Dorman. Have the power that that kid has. You know, he's in every scene practically. Yeah, and he carries. It. He's amazing. When I look at him, I think 
Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Definitely. A more feral, more intelligent. Yeah, yeah. And more dangerous version. Yeah, he he is arresting yeah. on on screen, and we can stay on him, and something's going yeah. on yeah. all the time. He's got a great look. Oh yeah, every every time I've shown Patriot uh, to a room full of women, oh who is that <laughs> guy? You know, it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. he I I found myself in the middle of our uh, production. Just marveling that someone hadn't grabbed him, that he was available to us somehow. That he's got, was... he's got a, a, one of the many things I like about Mike is that he's discerning. That he yeah he wants to be good in things that are good, and that's our goal anyway. Uh, we come to work every day feeling like we have the chance, and then we make this group effort to try to be good anyway. And uh, you get his full commitment if that's your goal. Did you let him improv any anything or we don't do a lot of improv? Okay. No, <laughs> no I, I know I know you're the writer, man, and I know and I know you wouldn't really want. I to have write had I, I have had films just yeah like, they go away they yeah. go to hell yeah. yeah okay and I get it that it can it can enhance mm-hmm. something but when you're making suspense right I don't think you can improv no. your way into no, greatness no, no, with suspense no suspense way. not even camera music the 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 vocabulary of camera in a, in when you're making suspense. Has to be specific, precise, limited. Every new angle is the ought to create uh, the means by which the audience gets closer to the most suspenseful mm-hmm. element of the scene. You can't do lazy coverage, um, unnecessary camera moves. It all has to be figured out. With the, well, picture Hitchcock. Yes, right. It it's all deliberate, yeah. and the the you take a great risk when you stray f- from that. So the cast gets that chris conrad has a has a real uh instinctive Mm -hmm. muscle for for improv yeah and i don't even let him do it (laughs) well he's your brother man you could tell your brother to you know screw off anytime max anytime i got every time i got to set i walked over to brit borbman our script supervisor and i said this this dialogue is very specific if i transpose one word please alert Mm -hmm. me you know, because I, I realized when I read this, the first script, this is written the way it's written for a very specific reason. Well, it's not because I have any more talent than anybody else among our group. It's only because it's my job the night before to figure out mm-hmm. the math of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, ha- I have to have this and, sense and that And by that the end of up. the first season, you realize the math is complicated. It is all yeah, it's the, complicated. There are no loose ends at the end of the first season of Patreon. No, man. Which like knocked me out. No, right? words come back. There'll be a word we use in season one that mm-hmm. I know we're gonna get into in season two in a big way. Right on. Uh, for instance, uh, it's not an accident that Kurtwood's dad was a tugboat captain. It's something yeah. that we we have to use later, and I yeah. knew we're gonna be in that world again. And that's an I, amazing scene. Yeah, I I so love. I was in tears, Terry. man. Trying to, you know, uh, Terry doing his level best, his character, bullshitting his way about yeah. he, he doesn't know fuck all about yeah. the tugboats. Terry's got a big year this year. Yeah. Terry's yeah. great The great too, Terry O'Quinn. Yeah, he goes, you know? he, goes, he goes places in season two. You know, when I first started on the radio in 1986, we gave Terry O'Quinn the Golden Ice Pick Award for Psychotic of the Year for, for fa- the Stepfather. Fa- stepfather, yeah. And uh, that's worth seeing. Thankfully, he doesn't remember that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
But, um, you know, another thing is the presence of music in this show and how it serves and frames uh, kind of what happens, I think, is really telling. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that was a, all along. When, when I'd seen films made when I was a writer, it it bothered me not to be able to control that aspect of it because it's um, it's so powerful. The, the, the way music can guide you, uh, direct you, and uh, indicate to you that you are allowed to be feeling more than one feeling. Yeah. Uh, music does a, um, a terrific job of doing that for an audience, and I had I'd been frustrated not to be able to apply it. I found it so heartening that uh, there was a town song. Oh, man, yeah. There's yeah. a Tweety song. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to, to our group. There's a handful of people. I'm hoping to, to open use the Steve Earle track this year. He was thrilled to hear that. Yeah. I mean, he was really, really yeah. excited. Yeah, well, we have the music figured out beforehand, too. It helps me to write. So I, if I get a, a period of time, I know a, a track works over seven minutes or so. I'll know how long to make a sequence. Mm-hmm. And we're at the stage now, 10 hours in, that you know something sounds like Patriot or not. It, it, who, who sings yeah. the opening song? That's Vashti Bunyan. That's a, that's a record from the 70s. It's marvelous. It's great. It's great. Yeah. All of her stuff's great. So you have a lot of your music kind of um, preconceived and uh, sort of written in? Yeah. The script? Okay. I heard a story, man, this was back in 2005. We were in New York at a dinner table, and you were telling me, and I can't believe I remember this just now, but it, it's coming back. You were telling me that you wanted to buy a Daniel Johnston song, and he was trying to charge you, like, an absurd amount of money. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember <laughs> that. What did you tell me? I don't I know re- that guy. I, yeah, I, maybe. I do you song. like his drawings? I, I do. Very much. Yeah. yeah. He shows at the gallery that I show with in Austin with but, Bill Creek Allen. You know, I, I, I don't remember that specifically, but that it's what you find when you start to try to buy songs. The most random okay. person will charge an arm and a leg, and then you'll, <laughs> you can get a De La Soul song for $300 if, yeah. if they wow. like the stuff. That's insane. Yeah. Well, we, we are in a place now where we can uh, we can appeal to artists and then show them the show, yeah. which helps them come over. Okay. If, okay. They, if they know that their stuff's going to be respected. And, okay. Yeah. Speaking of music, we're going to take a little break. It's Drive, kid. Okay, I'll drive. Yeah, uh, sure. All right. Okay, yeah. Ready to go? I'll ask you guys so stuff. Ready. You know, one thing that's interesting about Patriot is the process, the grueling pilot. People have to watch the pilot. They have to vote on it, and you just sit there and you agonize. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I can talk about God. that. That was, that was even awful for me. I mean, oh, yeah. dude, yeah. trying to show people the pilot, and then like they're like, so where are the other episodes? It's like, um, well. It's really well, frustrating for people. Where's your father do besides take a shit? Take a yeah. shit in the nightstick. Yeah, I saw that part. Yeah, some people were like. I think that's a perfect way to introduce Jack. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, I, that was I great. so enjoyed that, you know. It, cool. Cool. I'm a nice stick. I was taking Oh, you're talking Jack Birdbath and the the pilot. Well, one of the challenges now of Patriot is there is no such thing as a 
as a day player. If you're if you're in the show, exactly, you have to be in that world for good. Yeah, like Jack, I knew. Happy to be there, man. Yeah. Well, I'm, so we have some new characters, but we've anticipated them in season one. So you can, can you, figure out who who. Uh, can you reveal who they are? Or? No, not quite. Oh, I want to do that oh, okay. with a with a photography the first time, but. Um, most of season two takes place in Paris. Yeah. So uh, we will have some some French actors who are going to join our. Oh, cast wonderful! And, nice. Yeah. You know, you know, I've always loved. Uh, I don't even know if he's still alive. Charles Osnabor. I don't know who he is. Who's that? He was in Shoot the Piano Player. Oh. Based on the David Goodis novel, it's an old noir thing. It's a. Yeah, I've seen. I'm kind of crazy for French film, uh, and I I bought us a book which is called Paris Vagabond. And I wanted to have it here for you for as as a gift. I'll get it over to you in the next few days. I haven't gotten it back yet, but you have you it. seen that one of the models for Patriot is the Claude Lelouch movie called The Crook, which is outrageous. It it, it is so good. It you might be what? it might be the best movie that is the hardest to find. Really? What year was it made? I think seventy four. Right on. Are you a big 70s movie guy? Like, what's your favorite decade of film? It has to be that one. I remember, yeah, and sure, I can yeah. tell you how, how that came to be. That I was always trying to get some time with my dad, mm-hmm. one way or another. And he liked good movies, and I was born in 69. So 75, 76, if you wanted to, if you wanted to hang out with your daddy, you had to sit on the couch and watch Dog Day Afternoon. That's uh, kind of how we... You know, yeah. that was our first yeah. shared language. Well, it's funny. People wouldn't maybe consider that quality time, but I would I would argue with that because you can tell so much about a person based on what they like, what they'll respond yeah. to, what bores them, what they want to see more of. It's a it, it's a it's like a Rorschach test for for you to get to know somebody. You know what? You're, you're that was well words said. Right out of our mouth. Yeah. We, you know, by the time he was in eighth grade, uh, you know, he was asking me for the complete Kurosawa. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I've known Max for a long time. I know that that's true of Max. Well, I knew he was going to be a filmmaker I, the first week I spent with him. <laughs> Thank you, man. Well, I remember, I mean, this guy would just encourage me to do certain things. I mean, I remember I picked up, uh, like, Native Son from Barnes & Nobles. I was like, you know, this looks good. I kind of want to read it. This guy's damn near in tears, like... Oh my god! <laughs> no, I. Oh yeah, no. You wanted to raise that. me up like like Lion King. It was yeah. uh, it was a yeah. great feeling. But I mean, when you choose like something like a movie, a book, and your dad approves of it, that's a good feeling. Well, and it can go the other way too. Oh, I yeah. just had one of the best nights of my life uh, with Lucas, my son, who's eighteen, mm-hmm. watching Rick and Morty, watching Pickle Rick, the, the pickle episode. So good. And Lucas turned me on to it. I have not had a better time this year than watching yeah. my son laugh and allowing him to. You ever watch Adult Swim? Yeah, all the time. That's that's yeah. what it's on. <laughs> I was showing him some Eric Andre stuff, and he was like, "Who who is this guy? This guy's crazy!" Yeah, and then he yeah. started doing yeah. the <laughs> laugh. Yeah, at the Luke end of the t- Eric, uh, his man on the street stuff. Luke turned me on to that. But yeah, but, so it goes the other way. I, I I he has also come to like very craftful movies from the from the seventies. Mm-hmm. He gets it, uh, but. What are your favorite seventies movies? Well, uh, Dog Day Afternoon is my favorite yeah. movie of all time. Right on, John yeah. Cazale. People have asked me if you could play if you could play any Durning. if you could play any role that's already been performed. What would it be? And I, I would take that role from Dog Day Afternoon. I would take the Durning role. 
because he's desperate. His face is sweating, and he's like, "One of the magic things about that he movie, knows, he, he knows, he oh, it's, it's the yeah. part that he's, it's going to get fucked up." Yeah, you know? and then he he loses his power, and you can tell. <clears throat> but yeah. the coolest thing about Dog Day is, you don't need Charles Durning to tell you that it's all going to get fucked up. You know, it's all going to get fucked yeah. up when the third guy leaves a minute and a half into the film. It's one of those magic movies where you you know it's not going to end well. Yeah. Or you know yeah. that the guy you love the most isn't going to get what he man, wants, man. but you can't take your eyes off it. Yeah. yeah, and you wonder why am I why why am I wrapped up in this movie because I know it's going to end poorly for him. Yeah, and I think what it is is you want to see what makes a person who can sustain an awful lot. You want to see what makes them break. Yeah, and it's a little bit of the promise of the Patriot. Well, the real the real uh, stakes are it's the the health of of John. It's not, it's not what's going on in, in, in Iran. I mean, and I'm the, thinking his psyche is going to break any minute. Right, and yeah, I think yeah. the greatest question of suspense is, <clears throat> is whether he can make it. I found myself uh, like hating the Terry character towards the end of the show. Well, if you, I'm so excited for his, what work he has ahead of him in, yeah. in season two because we don't have bad guys on the show. Yeah. You know, there's no such thing. No, I yeah. think there are d- it, definite deepening shades of gray. Yeah. You know? and, and, and as we all know, life happens in the gray. Yeah. You know? it, it, it will also pose this question to you in season two is, do you have time to rescue your kid? And so many, well, if you're, if you're roughly our age now, you have kids yeah. who are 19 and 20 and going out into the world. And man, I'll be damned scared one, to one death. day, scared to death. Yeah. Is it too late for me to... Cr- give him some power that will allow him to be, then be safe and I, I, you, you hope it's not it may be but anyway it's Terry's it's Terry's question in season two yeah. is it too late to to rescue John you know when my son and daughter used to go out at night I'd, I'd be terrified and I'd always tell him hit my cell phone I will send a driver an Uber or come and get you you know or Whatever. I was pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah, you were excellent, actually. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it's you know, particularly we live in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Seven hundred yeah. children a year die of gunfire. Yeah, that you know, and my both of my kids have lost friends to violence, and I, I feel selfish for raising them in a city where they have such proximity to that. Yeah, my son's been mugged. Twice, twice before he was sixteen years really? old. Man, but, but he, he, I can fix him up with some things that discourage <laughs> money. You know? uh, he's good at it. He says, "Take, take whatever you want." Yeah, yeah that's, that's what you got to yeah. do. That's the best move. Yeah. Yeah. Just take it yeah. all, man. But it is a hell of a thing to be sixteen and to know how to be mugged. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I grew up yeah. in the suburbs. Yeah, uh, the I just saw that stuff on TV. Well, this this city's tough in that. In yeah, that regard. absolutely. And yeah. and and what what is all the more galling is that it does not seem to be on any trajectory for getting better. It's getting worse. Yeah. Well, the, it's getting more commonplace, which makes it worse. Well, you know, look at the schools. You know. Um, yeah. Uneducated people have fewer choices, and the lack of education helps foster a grinding kind of poverty, and hunger, and anger. And, uh, you know, you think education is expensive, try ignorance, you know. I'm... And it's just a shame, like, the public schooling right now, it's like you got to, you have to be the best student 
in eighth grade, seventh grade, to get into these prestigious public schools of yeah. Chicago. Yeah. That I felt more pressure getting into high school than getting into college. It was insanely stressful getting them into Whitney. Young. That was yeah. the worst process of my life. <laughs> yeah, I, it makes you, I mean, it, should it be a feat, right? No, of course shouldn't, it shouldn't. You know. no. No. I mean, when I think of how no. cavalierly I got kicked out of schools, you know, <laughs> many schools. Okay. Yeah. But you, you were, I, I know a lot of these stories, but the first time was kindergarten. Yeah. You know, yeah. Can't the skunk. I mean, you really can't beat that. No, up. this was when I bounced a wooden block of Rainbow Jackie's head. He was, he was trying to build a fort. Yeah. <laughs> I, built, I built a fort. I was sitting in there minding my own fucking business. And in your fort? Yeah. And this kid, you know, and he was one of those kids who annoyed me to begin with because he always had two streams of snot coming down his face. And he goes, uh, let's build a bigger fort. And I said, Did you, you say, know, hey, why I built a fort to keep you out? I didn't want to be mean to him. I said, there's a bunch of blocks across the room. You could build a fort and we could, you know, <laughs> wave to each other. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and this guy was a slow fucking learner, you know, and he started dismantling my fort. So I took, they were big wooden blocks. So I took one, he just bounced it off his head. They leave the letter C in his forehead. <laughs> no, no, Steve, these were big. They were like two feet by three feet, you know. So I'm thinking after I bounced it off his head, you know, we're going to jam, you know, we're going to fight. No. He, like, turns around, bitches up, and runs to the teacher, you know, and, uh, she told me I was a misfit. And... I think I would do the same thing if you bounced like a pound block on my head. Yeah. Well, but you learned, so you got kicked out of kindergarten, but you yeah. learned a lot about bullies. Yeah. Yeah. You take them on and then. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden everything changes. And this guy was always, you know, also you, you would bring a snack to kindergarten. You were only there for the morning. Yeah. You know, and uh, he would. Try to grab my snacks. You would try to grab my Oreo cookies, you know. And, so did you uh, have to get a job after that? No, no. <laughs> no, I had I had to stay home for the rest of the year and then start first grade. And I thought, yeah, this is yeah, a desired effect. Because yeah. my mom was working third shift at a uh, Pepperidge farm. And, she, you know, she went to Northwestern as well. And uh, um, so... I got to watch cartoons. I got to draw. You know, I mean, uh, what did I, you did you did you admire cartoons because cartoons were were being done at a pretty high level when we were kids. Unbelievable Looney Tunes. Yeah. You know, I would have to sneak into my parents to see the TV because we weren't. You know, we didn't have like TV. My my folks were very strict about access to television. You know, um, still my mother wanted me reading. And and I could read in kindergarten. I could read in fourth uh, when I was four. You know, when I was in third grade, I got sent home for bringing a copy of The Graduate with me because there was a good sex scene, and I was explaining had a good it cover. to these yeah. other kids. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you were in kindergarten, or when you were kicked out of kindergarten, you were ahead of the curb learning how to read. and or, Yeah, my mom taught me how what to read age? at home. What age did you officially learn how to read? Four. Four? Yeah. Yeah, but Joan that, Walsh England poems, I remember. But that would make you bored in school, right? If you're, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was bored in school to begin with. I, was, I began thinking about seventh grade. I began thinking, the only reason I'm here is they, they don't want me out there on the street, 
you know. Steve, were you like a troublemaker in school, or you, you seem like a good guy? Well, it, it was all relative in my house because I had three brothers, and if one of your brothers is Chris Conrad, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah exactly. he seems like a mischief. Guy. Everybody who grew up behind me could get away with murder. Yeah, you were instantly the quiet, good one. If oh, Chris Conrad, wow, your brother, really, right yeah, on. I could be loud and bad, but if I stood next to Chris, did he get kicked out of school? Chris was a hellraiser. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man, but he could fight though. Yeah. Good yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm a fairly tough guy. I would not fool with your brother. No, I remember uh, we, you guys were pitching this idea that he was going to do this uh, Popeye Doyle esque thing in a bar, go in and just start searching people and be like, "What do you got?" or whatever. And I was like, I didn't know your brother at the time. I go, "Man, what if he messes with like the wrong guy and gets his ass kicked?" And you just go, "No," and you just started laughing like. Trust yeah. me, trust me. Chris is a tough guy. I go okay, and then I met him years later. I was like, oh yeah, no one was gonna kick that guy's ass. No, he, he, he used to help me work out, and yeah, he, he, he you know he's almost killed you me. You were in some of the best, you know? but you were in some of the best shape when he was whipping your ass into shape, man. Yeah, I lost a bunch of weight, gained a bunch of weight. Yeah, he, he's my he's hey, he's my kind of guy. He's very complicated. Like he's yeah. uh, sweet and so funny, yeah. but then he's also many other things and. He's also weirdly wicked smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that he knows about, he knows very deeply. He's got a lot know? of confidence. Yeah. 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 I love the guy. You should, you should have seen him at the gym, you know. He's back in the gym now because I broke the news to him that he's nude again in the, uh, in the <laughs> really? first so he wants his six pack. <laughs> he wants his six pack. He's forty six. That's not easy to do. What was Chris that like? Forty six. Yeah. What was that like watching him uh, kind of debut? You know, in these movies like uh, Airborne and like Mortal Kombat and stuff while you well, were I, on your career. It is also true of actors that they are subject then to the quality of the thing and and. I knew what he was capable of. That he yeah. could be marvelous. Yeah. But in order for him to have that opportunity, the thing had to accommodate it. And you can't count on that as an actor because so few, that is the ambition of so few uh, features. And and we're lucky that we're in this age of TV where mm-hmm. it, you have to be good and they want you to be good. And it's a, it's a, a new obligation of yours to stand out in this crowd. Chris, uh, hasn't had the chance yet to, to really be marvelous because up until um, you know this stage of his life, he hasn't had the choices and he's, he's made a living and he's been very good, but he has around the corner now the chance to be very good and very good stuff. Definitely. Yeah. He's got a rare gift. He doesn't, he has a physical gift and he has, you know, Oh, and I don't even, yeah, gift. I don't even mean Patriot. He yeah. has, you know, now become uh, sought after to perform in other things. Good. And, That's know, great. He deserves it because he killed it in season he is, one. He is at the gym, the though. Minute, the minute I saw him as Teddy Grahams, oh, uh-huh. I thought, this fucking guy is, a bro- first of all, a brilliant physical comedian. You yeah. Know? Secondly, a really good actor. Yeah. He didn't have any lines. No, he had a Charlie Chaplin. The, yeah. That one. And uh, still, still great. the thing I remember the most about that movie is Chris Conrad. The yeah. thing I love yeah. about that movie, it's it's very Chicago, man. Like maybe Sean William Scott and John C. Riley aren't necessarily Chicago, but the characters around them are. That whole grocery store. Well, is Riley just, grew up here. Riley oh, grew up. No, in the I South knew that, side, but yeah. he he's from Canada in the movie, so yeah. he's kind of got a Quebec here, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, Chris is one of the actors that I always knew we could. Um, 
give a good day's work to every day, yeah. and then we'd get a return on it. Yeah. But we yeah. really Gil could, Bellows, I could go all the way. too. Oh man, Gil, the great the, Gil the cast Bellows. is just filled. And Julian Richings, and to say nothing of Aliette. You Kathleen. know what? I saw Julian in uh, something last night. What was that? Um, that was made years ago, uh, and he was he was wonderful. I'm sure it was great. He was like a bad guy, <laughs> and you know what? He's he's just so wonderful and patriot, you know. Um, and the women on our show, you know, yeah, Aliette Oppheim. Yeah, she's a movie star too. Absolutely, she's every bit Mike's, Absolutely. Mike's equal. You know what? She she kind of makes me flash a bit on the young Catherine Deneuve. She's got something. Yeah. Who's yeah, Catherine amazing. Deneuve? Well, I can tell you you're a young man. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. For the young people. She was one of the heroes of the French New Wave. Right She on. was in some of the greatest films ever made. Um, uh, my first introduction to her was in a uh, Burt Reynolds movie called Hustle. I've seen that. And she was in Belle de Jour. Um, yeah. Just okay. as good as it gets. She's the main, she's the main woman yeah. in Hustle, right? Okay. Are you excited to, to go to some museums in Paris? Anything specifically you're excited to go I to? I love the police museum because they got the guillotine. They do. And the last yeah. time they used it was 1978. No. Uh, yeah, they were guillotining people <laughs> in 78. Under what terms? Because those, that's probably an awful part of the story, too. You know... I don't recall the whole story. I just was shocked that it had been in use. The, you know, I love the Picasso Museum, the Museum de Orsay. Um, I love the city itself. Uh, when they call it City of Light, they're, they're really not kidding. Um, there's a walk you can take on Saturday and Sunday morning along the Seine, and all the Bucanese are out. And it's a collage artist like Dream Come True. It's all paper and old postcards and stuff like that. And you realize that in all of those little booths, there's this codified history of Paris. And it's a fascinating thing to decipher because you can decipher it a thousand different ways. It's like Chicago a lot in that you ask someone, what is it about Paris? Or yeah. They always tell you about their Paris. And there are... Thousands of different narratives. That, yeah, that Paris is its city. own city, and it's its own cool. It's its <clears> own <throat> beauty. It has everything. It has. It's its own. What did you guys do when you were over there, Max? Oh man, we were only there for three days, but we went to the Louvre. Uh, we tr- we just walked around. You know, when you walk around in a foreign country, yeah. just anything's cool. So, but the way you characterized that, I thought was right on, and yeah. I think that that's a hallmark of any great city. You could say that uh, there's there's only one of them. Yeah. Chicago, normally it's only like our, our, our great city. Absolutely. When did you move to Chicago, Steve? I came for a college and then and then just stayed. I just felt at home. Yeah. It ruins you for decent cities, doesn't yeah. it? I thought you were from Chicago <laughs> for like a pretty long time until um, I found out you were from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I noticed in, uh, in wrestling Ernest Hemingway, whoever you wrote that, I thought, really kind of knows the rhythms of Florida. Uh, particularly people of a certain age in Florida. Yeah. Well, it, and it is all over the place there. I, I've never written about it again. It's weird. It's odd. Do you do you, you don't miss it? Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I still feel – you said something to me once about Chicago. You said it keeps beginning. And, yeah. Uh, 
maybe that's another hallmark of a great city yeah. is that yeah. you don't yeah. ever fully comprehend it. And I'm, I still love learning about this city. And, yeah. Same here. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I did most of my growing up in Lombard and Villa Park, and I've never thought of it as home. I've only ever thought of Chicago as home because it's uh, it's the center of my compass. It's, it's, it's kind of the standpoint from which I look at the rest of the world uh, from. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of feel that way about New Orleans, too. I mean, it's another place that I breathe easy. You know, it's it's it's. Yeah, I get really weird when I'm out of the city for too long. Yeah, especially if it's not if I'm not in like a sit another city and I'm somewhere it's around nature. Yeah, I get really weird. It also makes you feel this run up to go to to uh, Europe for that period of time has uh, left me preparing for it. And one yeah. of the I talked to filmmakers who worked there over that period of time, and they said you know the. The foreignness of it at some point is going to mm-hmm. wear you down. You'll just feel alone, no matter who you're surrounded by. But Chicago can make other cities in the U.S. feel foreign. Like yeah, you can yeah. you can miss it. Like Absolutely, that. It, it, there is a compass point to it that feels like even little stuff. Now. Like you can't get a decent hot dog in another city. Yeah. Oh man. You know, they've never heard of an Italian beef, you know. Are you going to try to find that in Paris? No, I, I no <laughs> longer. Something else since, to do that night when you go since out Since my heart running. surgery, you know. Uh, so. What are you reading these days? You know, I'm reading a lot about Paris because we're going there. I'm reading a book called The Banquet Years. And you, um, you dug the George Saunders book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Who doesn't like George Saunders? My God. Yeah, yeah, me too. Lincoln and Nabarro. That was, that's marvelous. Um, I'm also, uh, I've also found this kind of, I'm a big George Pelicanos fan. I, I have a real love for crime fiction. And uh, Who do you think did that the best? Because it's tough. Elmore Leonard? Yeah. Do you know that story about Elmore or Leonard? Pel- and or Pelicanos, the... you know? He's I great mean, too. Can I tell you this Elmore Leonard story? Definitely. I want to hear your own more little say because <laughs> you guys were in close touch before. We were working on, yeah, something. Before uh, the great. Now, he didn't tell me this story. Somebody else told it to me. I think it might have been in his son's memoir, but his son, yeah. who was a grown man at this stage, was just coming home to visit Elmore and his mom. And I think both parents were in their 70s. And the son on his way into the house looked up and saw that his mother was on the roof cleaning out the eaves. And his father opened the door and he said, why is mom cleaning out the eaves? And Omar said, because she can't write fiction. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You know, and that was a long, incredibly versatile career. Um, Oh, of his? Yeah. I just reread Swag. Which I, I know you that were was the, thinking yeah, was about. The one. Yeah. Amazing. You know what? You should still make that. It, it's a first rate, uh, tight it's little good. crime picture. Yeah. You know? Do you think it's awfully seventies? Do you too. think uh, some of Elmore Leonard's movies haven't panned out? Because, I mean, I want to go kind of back yeah, to, I mean, to movies think, versus episodic uh, yeah. television. Do you think it could have worked out better as episodic television? Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think they ever should have tried Bandits as written or Glitz. Um, but his, yeah. you know, his tone. You have to know what you're doing to get his tone on screen. And once Absolutely. you do, though, once you do, it can take you anywhere. Like yeah. it, nothing defies what he has to say yeah, about life definitely. on Earth. But if if it's too broad, 
and it doesn't carry the the real thing that it's about, which is about uh, well, how hunger. Usually, generally with him, if someone yeah. wants something, and they exactly. feel like they deserve. Yeah, desire. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look at the difference between get shorty and be cool, or or and Jackie Brown it. and the Big Bounce. Boy, Jackie Brown's good. Uh, man, I love that. Yeah. I love that. You know what I love in that also is uh, Robert Forster. Mm-hmm. You know who who up until right before that was teaching acting. Again, yeah, I know. You know? Well, he and, had such cool uh, dignity in that role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Max, and you Cherry. know what he didn't he didn't do anything he really didn't have to. He no. just but you know that's a he's a hell of a writer. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, Samuel Jackson, you know, <laughs> oh, Robert De Niro for yeah, that matter, man. Yeah. When I like when he's in the parking lot with Bridget Fonda, and he's like, and just don't, yeah, she won't, she won't, she won't like, stop. Oh, man, that know? sex scene is yeah. just so <laughs> you're just yeah. like cool. what? Because yeah. it's so not cool. It's yeah, so not yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and 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 Samuel Jackson's line about the AK-47, you know, when you absolutely positively got to kill every motherfucker in the room, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the NRA should no use that as an endorsement. <laughs> you know? For real, yeah, they they should get Samuel Jackson to do some commercials. You, I, what else do you think of uh, literary wise that you might like to take a a chance on turning into film? What what are you looking at? Well, there's a really beautiful book called Independence Day by Richard Ford that um, I don't know. It just struck me as being uh, a real accomplishment. Yeah, uh, and a character who I, he feels like he's he ought to be real. Yeah, but he but he's not because he no one can be that sort of uh, exquisitely human, um, flawed, but aware of it in any way, a remarkable character to whom very little that might seem superficially exciting ever happens. But uh, that book, if if it met the right actor, could be um, mm-hmm. a real accomplishment. But I have the most fun making stuff up. Cool. Yeah. Cool, yeah. And then the sh- with the show, we have to do you know hours and hours and hours of it. And mm-hmm. um, not everything gets in there. So at this stage, I have a lot of... Uh, I've got a lot of stuff that didn't quite make it into Patriot that I like a lot, and mm-hmm. it'll lead me somewhere. Cool. Do you see more? I mean, I see more Patriot in the future, obviously, but do you see more uh, TV projects? And do you see more? Um, you know, do you? What do you think you're going to be doing more? Do you think you're going to be doing more episodic television or more movies? Well, I, I am for sure because I'm, I'm obligated to do that on two other shows. So okay, it'll be it'll be TV primarily, uh, and we don't. There's a there's a theoretical break, mm-hmm. but it, it's not real. It post extends and then mm-hmm. writing gets pulled up. Yeah. So we didn't have a we didn't have a day off from season one to season two. So we were supposed to have uh, four months and it just went away. Yeah. yeah. So there 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 isn't time. I always try to stay active. There's a filmmaker Gore Verbinski who's a we brought him up the yeah. last podcast. Yeah, last yeah. Podcast. yeah, yeah. Um, he. I'm always working with him. Like I, uh-huh. I can't be too busy to pick something up with Gore. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I love him. So we're, we're working on features. But after that, if I haven't already written it, and I'm not, I'm not writing it. The TV, the the occasion of it now, where you have the the chance to 
tell an uninterrupted story over that length of time, it just you can't beat it. No, right yeah. exactly. And yeah. There, there, we are given the means to do that now. Like I was telling Steve that when I finally finished the season of, of Patriot, that it reminded me, not so much in tone, but achievement-wise, it was uh, not unlike how I felt after I finished Berlin and Alexanderplatz by uh, Fassbender, you know, Fassbender, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which was set in Berlin. And again, you know, uh, the idea of like a long-form novelistic uh, television, I think that's got to be it incredibly attractive oh well yeah it's where it's it's the new um sort of the new art form it is and it's the new thing i mean we look i we've said this a couple times movies i mean they're either remakes they're superheroes comic books or they're it is romantic comedies it's it's yeah it's definitely a tough time but i mean when's the last time you, you and i actually went to the movies i don't know but it, but when was the last time we turned on TV and saw last a good time. show? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's not that bad. It just it's at home now. You're spending less yeah. money. I kind of like it. I used to not, but I'm coming to terms well, with it. We used to have and I'm this, loving it. Every Sunday night, we had people over to watch Game of Thrones, and I got to the point where I was there. I went to the first one. I got to the point where Sunday night we had t- me and twenty five of my nerd friends. You know, in the living room, and we, you know, we get pizza and and there's there's beer and stuff, and uh, and we watch it, and you know, uh, people have teased me about it because they, oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons? Never, I never liked Sword and Sorcery. I, you know, but that's fuck, okay if you did. Yeah, no, fuck <laughs> hobbits. You know, what I mean, but. Uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones. I mean, it was about the same stuff Shakespeare's no, about. No, I, I yeah. Power, you know. Oh, I get it. It's a and then uh, it only builds an audience over time. That there's seven seasons. Did, in. Have you watched any of it? I haven't because I just don't have the time. Yeah, I, I, I'm, 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 there's always something to do. Is there anything it. that's like destination viewing for you? Because I just watched Ozark with your pal Jason Bateman in it, and man, I loved it. Well, the last thing I loved, there's an English comedy called The Mighty Boosh that I can't stop watching. Yeah. And it's older, uh, maybe eight years old, nine years old. Really? But I, when I have a half an hour or 45 minutes, I don't know, I yeah. find myself watching that. We should check that out. Yeah, I try not to watch anything that's in the orbit of Patriot because you can subconsciously get sort of Steal stuff, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, the, among the group that helps come up with the storylines. And then... Uh, helps execute the thing by whom I mean Jimmy Whitaker and then our yeah. camera operator Jody uh, Miller Jody Miller who's yeah. great yeah coming back he's gonna be I'm so happy about season. that well we yeah. we would go to school on the suspense genre uh, after that though I try to I try to I listen to music primarily when I'm thinking about the show it's kind of like you know for a visual artist you look at all the pictures and then you try to forget them you know, I mean, I realized I loved Cornell early on. And then I just stopped looking at him because I did not want the leakage. You know, I, I wanted to uh, be only like myself. Yeah. You know, um, you talking about Joseph Cornell. Joseph yeah. Cornell and uh, you know Max Ernst and you know Mon Ray, Francis Picabi. You know, I mean, all the guys who really kind of sing to me. Yeah, you know? I think I've been doing that. I, or, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of improv, and I'm at the Annoyance Theater right now. 
And I've been in my own, I've been in my head lately. And I think it's because I've been watching a lot of comedy and I've been seeing what's mm-hmm. working and I've been trying to not take it, but I think I've been subconsciously taking certain styles and it's obviously not working. So that's okay. But, you're, no. build, you're building your toolbox. <laughs> no, I'm, but I'm saying it's it's interesting you guys are bringing this up. It's kind of making me realize, like, maybe I should stop, get that comedy stuff out of my diet of what I'm viewing and just sort of, you know, watch serious stuff. And, and then the comedy will naturally flow to me. I don't know. We'll see. Well, you, you'll soon, if you're not already there, you'll just get to a point where you stop thinking about it so much. Yeah, and then, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah I, I was at that point. And then... I'm back at that point. I don't know how you get back. That's there. all right. Yeah, it's don't funny. Worry. You know, among the different things one has to be able to do to 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 make a film, you know, cut, spot music, uh-huh. plan, camera vocabulary. I can't act. I know I can't do that. So I probably could muddle my way through many of the other walks of uh, filmmaking mm-hmm. life, but I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I'm anxious to see you play some music in Patriot because I know you play music. Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe this year. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Were you ever in a band? Well, and when I was in high school, I was nice, for sure. Nice, nice. Fooled around. You played guitar. Played guitar. Started out as a drummer. Ah, ever yeah. a lead singer? Briefly for uh. a very bad band. <laughs> he now has an accordion. Man. Oh, are you going to make, please make him play accordion, man. There's still time when we get to come back. And yeah. you'll be in Paris. Yeah. It's the home Which, of the you know, yeah. it's a very revered, there in Italy, it's a very revered instrument. Mm-hmm. For some reason. You know, I had to play that when I was a kid before it became cool. You know, there was no Tom Waits. There was no Dad, I, I'm not I hate sure. to break you. The, yeah, I think the accordion's right. not cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> yeah. I, I was hoping it was a renaissance. I, I could be it's wrong. still ahead of us. You know? Maybe you could be the one. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll I think see. so. We are going to have more songs this year because the, they seem to have gone over okay. And, I hope you're not getting uh, angry when I keep sending you the uh, the links to music. Oh, no, I love it. Yeah. It, it helps me work. For sure, yeah, and then we, it's something will will break. But we're gonna have more original. Well, I'm really songs excited sure. that that you've uh, delved so deeply into some really great folk music, you know, and and really great singer songwriters. Like, I know you know Bobby Bear. I mean, there should be a Bobby Bear song. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there might be a Bobby Bear Junior song in there too. Uh, Bobby Bear Junior. Yeah. I mean. yeah. yeah, yeah. Is Bobby Bear Senior still alive? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's Bobby Bear Junior. Yeah, I, I, he's a friend of mine, and I've been trying to figure out a way to get him into Patriot. He's, he's a, in, he's a, he could be magnetic on screen. Yeah, the right thing. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. There's a, there's a lot of um, musicians who I think could cross over into, into Patriot. I think the, the, the tone of it allows for some ease. You know, right? Steve Earle's done amazing well, work. He's a good actor. Treme and The Wire. Yeah, he is yeah. a good actor. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's for real. And. Uh, um, His son's good too, Justin. Justin, yeah, not bad. Your former babysitter, man, yeah, yeah. Who are yeah, you listening back to? Back to my days. shitty. Parenting. Oh me, I'm. Li- you know, I'm listening to a lot of uh, Chicago local stuff. Um, we brought up Twin Peaks so many times. That guy, yeah, is- Luke, Luke Twin Peaks. Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, that guy is uh, the That's dad the father of, uh, of the kid from Twin Peaks. Oh, no yeah, who's so yeah, yeah, I like them. Yeah, yeah. he'll be there tonight. They're pretty them, good. Yeah. I love Whitney. Have you heard of them? Dude, listen to Whitney. Are they from Whitney Young? No, no. <laughs> um, but they're a Chicago band called Whitney. I uh, just I like see comedy? liking them. 
there's a guy named Kami. He's a he's a rapper. Um, he but this guy named Knox Fortune produced his music. You might like his singles, Knox Fortune. I right. highly recommend that. I'll send you some stuff, or I'll, I'll get my dad to get links together, and I'll send that all your way, man. You know what I've been kind of crazy for lately, believe it or not, is the last National record. I just adore that record. And the last Steve Earle record, which yeah. is really yeah. deep. Yeah. It goes deep. Um, Twin Peaks reminds me of nothing so much as the young Rolling Stones. There's that abandoned, that yeah. garagey kind of, you know. They definitely have that influence, and... I think um, they're just they're just really like nice guys. Like when you bump yeah. into them in real life, you know, they're very There's hey, no what's going on? No man? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah Every once it's in a while nothing that happens. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's really disappointing when it does, and you're like, no, oh, oh yeah. that's because the, the yeah. um, other side of that when when you meet your hero yeah. and they're an oh, asshole, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've that's happened. Yeah. I've had that happen to me. Yeah, no, yeah. these guys are solid dudes. And um, when when I when I'm in the when that occasion is there, I just shrink away. I, I was I stood behind George Carlin in line at the supermarket, and he was such an influence on me. He just opened my mind when it was really parochial, and uh, I only wanted to say to him thank you, and I just couldn't do it because I was afraid uh, he would turn around and and. His daughter's a friend of mine, Kelly yeah. Carolyn, and he was the most approachable guy in the world. Yeah, well, I blew it. But yeah. I, I didn't want to ri- risk not being well, able to listen I've, I've, to his I've, stuff again. Yeah, you uh, know, no, I had I, a, a weird experience in New York once uh, when I was showing my work there. I had a sandwich in this place right by the Carlisle Hotel, uh, St. Ambrose, and there was Jack Warden. And I couldn't not go up to him. So and, this story has a... Sandwich in it and Jack Warden. Exactly. A couple sandwiches yeah. in it because I eat two sandwiches, you know. And uh, and Jack ate two sandwiches. You know, they were small. Um, and he couldn't have been nicer. He sat Jack there Warden, and talked with um, me. God. Uh, the verdict. Shampoo? Yeah. And uh, Was it Heaven Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait. Is that the Warren Beatty one where the yeah, refrigerator yeah. that's open and they're they're sleeping together in front of the light, Jack Warden. I don't know. I oh, don't know. Yeah. But I, boy, lo- boy, I loved guy. him in the verdict. Uh, well, the verdict was a was a hallmark for us for Patriot too, in terms of the way they photographed the movie. They just, uh, oh, absolutely! How seriously, they took it all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I to this day think it's the best work Paul Newman ever did. Yeah, you know, uh, I I love that film. You know, I've always loved it. What do you? What are your? Okay, what are your like top five films? Yeah. Oh, it changes all the time. All the I know time. it's title, but what 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 do you think is in there right now? Well, the the uh, the film I think I've taken the most from, uh, in terms of what this Miller's Crossing I think in terms of just the way it handled craft, right? So that one just if you understand how hard it is to make something work something that tight work and then also simultaneously create a whole world that doesn't exist anywhere but on screen and you'll know both those things are tremendously hard to do Mm -hmm. and that movie was superior to each of those so that that film i remember watching it as a student and thinking i would love to try to do this Mm -hmm. that was the one that sort of drew me in after that dog day afternoon is just uh it's just a, a ride of uh 
it, it puzzles you all the time about why you care about it. And did you ever see a film by Yvonne Passer called Cutters Away? Oh yeah, I love that film. I mean, it's, man, there was a time where you just couldn't make a bad movie. Like I know. 1975, 76. Like from and, 73 to yeah. 80, it was just, you know, gold. It, it's the gold era of cinema for sure. Yeah. Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah, we could go on and on. Yeah, yeah too much. Too much. Uh, Rocky kicks ass. Like, Rocky yeah. just... First one, yeah. Well, one of the things that Rocky out. taught me, everybody loves it, but I, so what? So everybody looks like Stevie Wonder. He, he deserves it. Yeah. Right? Um, Rocky... I, I love that he always had it in him, and he just needed events to mm-hmm. bring it out. Like he doesn't—he's mm-hmm. not a superhero. No. And we're hard pressed now to find something to uh, imprint on mm-hmm. that can be meaningful to us that falls short of that t- t- superhero mythology that none of us can ever live in. I think that stuff is—the superhero stuff is rather cynical, you know, and I think it's— Well, it's easy. Yeah, it's easy, and inevitably, for the self, it's kind of annihilating. It's— Yeah, I I just can't make it all the way through any of them. I I try, uh, and I just— I tried to watch— They're all the same. Looking at my watch. I tried to watch through the first Iron Man, and I, I, you know, fell asleep. Well, it's it's just— me personally, I just always yeah. feel like there's other things I could be doing. Yeah, yeah all my friends are like, "Oh no, you, you got to see this one though. This one's different." I watch it. No, it's the same thing, man. It's just you know what else I can't superhero watch? shit. I can't watch war movies. My father yeah. hated them. My father invaded Okinawa, and he just could not stand um, war movies. You know, I remember watching something was on TV, and my daughter was so young then; she must have been seven or eight. And she'd been with me on set, so she knew what movies were and what mm-hmm. actors did. And she she said, there's some things actors shouldn't pretend to do. <laughs> to do. Yeah. And I had never heard anybody say that before. Yeah. And I thought, well, wow, wow that's, I don't know that she's right, uh, but it made me think. Yeah. Like, w- w- there's a great drive-by trucker song called uh, uh, Shores of Iwo Jima. It might be Patterson yeah. Hood by himself, but he, this song is, uh, he's sitting on the couch with his grandfather who fought him over too, and the shores of Iwo Jima come on. And his grandfather said, I don't remember John Wayne on the shores of Iwo Jima. No, absolutely. John Wayne is a, was a, he got out of the war. He never fought because he had flat feet. Yeah. Uh, his name's not John Wayne. His name's Marion um, Morrison. Morrison, yeah. He's, he, but, but he pretended to have this grace under pressure that our kids now don't feel like they can live up to. And there's a, we write about this in season two. Yeah. There's a syndrome called the John Wayne syndrome where kids feel like they've let, um, that they haven't held up the way John Wayne held up under battle and they're, they're tormented by it. So by pretending to be a soldier, he created this psychology that John kids, Wayne might have gotten into a battle with an extra or something, <laughs> you know, but he was never near a war. I don't know. You know? I don't know. What, what are you going to say? Anyway, Jimmy I, I Stewart, like this, who I like never said a word about it in, in life, was, was he, an actual war hero, yeah. you know, well, uh, as anyway. was Lee Marvin, as was Charles Durning, you know, I mean, yeah. and none of these men ever aired it out. Well, I, it made me think what, what my daughter had to say about uh-huh. it, made me think, and so I don't, I don't like them either particularly. I feel like maybe there are some things that films can't quite capture, mm-hmm. right? The films, it eludes them a little bit. Like it's, you, you, it's fair to say about an art form that it can't contain everything. It's really hard even when, you know, they try to talk about, you know, the tragedy of war. It, it, they still 
in a way glorify it you know it's still the violence is still there you know you still have to shoot these scenes in a stylistic way so yeah well my favorite films have a little nod at it being make-believe like there's a frame around them and at the end of the day we're we're making stuff the bird flying through jack birdbeth's house (laughs) you know hey you know what this has been great yeah we were so thrilled to have you we would love to have you back yeah steve thank you man i think uh one of the favorite things uh that i like about you man is just you're a cool guy man you're just oh, thank you, you, you know you're never at, you're never too high never too low you're just always just realistic man and he's cool steve yeah he's he is cool steve all right. and, and all of your movies always have this like father-son relationship man and i'm always finding these similarities between yeah, me and well, my dad when i watch yeah. him man and there was be, a there's a, a line in patriot that Birdbath says when he realizes that John's been spending time with his dad and he and he looks over at them and says, there's a, f- a son who still likes his father. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's nice. nice to see. It's nice to see. It's nice to see you guys doing It's nice to see. Right, nice to see. Thank you. It's rare. Yeah. Thank you. Man. All right, guys, it was a pleasure. Hey, thanks, I'd love for, to come back. thanks for joining us. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you for tuning in to our eighth episode. Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer, next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Big shout out Porkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. This Friday, October 6th, we will be showing Kevin Nance's The Way We Live Now from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Free admission, free drinks, pet friendly. It'll be a good time. If you want to access the podcast through my dad, go to TonyFitzpatrick.co or go to his Twitter handle at this train or his Instagram handle at TonyFitzpatrick9. If you want to access the podcast through me, go to MaxwellFitzpatrick.com or my Twitter and Instagram handle at MaxFitzpatrick. Tune in next time for episode nine.